0: well good morning church It's good to see everyone here this morning and you know uh <clears throat> we always need to thank God for the people in our worship team and our talented musicians and I enjoyed seeing Emily play the prelude this morning and you know we often take for granted the people that do these things i've told you before. I've been in churches with uh, good music and I've been in churches with bad music and I do prefer good. I do prefer good. And the Lord's blessed us with a lot of talented musicians and 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 they, they keep developing and they keep coming and I just want to... Don't ever take that for granted. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in churches where people love the Lord and they did their best but their best wasn't very good. <laughs> So I'm just grateful for people who do their best and their best is really good. So anyway, we're in uh, Matthew 9 this morning and the title of the message is God will take care of you. I'm going to read verses uh, 18 through 34, 18 through 34. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Then Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl rose, and the report of this went throughout all that district." And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it done to you. And their eyes were open. and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowd marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word do you believe that Jesus can help you in whatever circumstances you you're facing now I'm not asking you if you say you believe I'm asking you do you really believe do you really believe that Jesus cares for you and can help you in whatever circumstances you are facing in your life if you face terminal or a life-changing illness, if you, if you have children who are addicted or have left the faith, if you've had spouses who have left you or you're facing total financial collapse, if you're facing the death of family or close friends, addictions, whatever, do you believe God wants to help you and will help you if you ask Him? It's more than just intellectual assent. We often intellectually say we believe God can do anything. But do we believe Him for specific things and specific help? Do you have a firm belief that God wants to answer your prayers and help you in the specific needs you pray for? Do you believe you can go to Him with these specific needs and He will help? You know, sometimes in our reaction to the the prosperity gospel movement and how faith is uh, falsely... Uh, defined, and sometimes in our reaction to the name and claim it people and the create your own reality people, we think faith is unimportant. But those wrong teachings about biblical faith should not should not confuse us that faith is very important. Biblical faith is trusting and believing in a loving God who created you, who redeemed you, and is, or maybe he's seeking to redeem you, and a loving God who cares about you that you can cast all your anxieties on because he cares about you. Biblical faith believes that God works in you and for you and through you. Biblical faith is trusting your life to him, being on mission with him, and believing he wants to help you uh, in whatever you're going through in your life. You know, you can't please God without faith, the Bible says, Uh, And that's faith in general in in His salvation, but it's also trusting in Him specifically with whatever you're going through now. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now sometimes I think we tend to overemphasize uh, uh, and misunderstand God's sovereignty. Yes, God is a sovereign God, but sometimes... We misapply that, and and we minimize faith. We think that God is going to do whatever He's going to do, whatever we ask or pray for. I know people who wouldn't ask God to heal somebody because because they they just they don't think they should pray like that. But I don't see that in the Scripture as the kind of uh, teaches us how to pray. Um, We can overemphasize something so much that we forget the other teachings on prayer. If we overemphasize and misunderstand the sovereignty of God, we throw out parts of the Bible um, that talk about asking and receiving and seeking and finding. We throw out John 15, 7, which says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. We throw out John 1 John 5, 14 and 15, which says, This is the confidence in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask. We, we throw out James 2b, which says, two uh, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, I know we can't understand all the mysteries of God and how He works. Yes, God is sovereign, but God also answers prayer. And, but I do know this. Jesus told us to ask and we will receive. God wants to pray God wants us to pray, and He will answer our prayers. And I believe there are some things that He won't do if you don't pray. If you don't pray, they won't get done. As we read in Matthew chapter 9, we read about people who were in impossible situations and who came to Jesus for help. And Jesus did what nobody else could do in their lives. Jesus helped them when no one else could help them. From the passage of Scripture, we see this eternal truth that we need to look to Jesus for help in our impossible situations. Look to Jesus for help in our impossible situations. First of all, we need to look to Jesus to help you when other resources have failed. In those impossible situations that you find yourself, when everything else has failed, look to Jesus. Now, I hope we don't wait until then. But we ought, to, we ought to do that. Sometimes we forget. We look everywhere else but Jesus. Jesus was teaching, and in, uh, in, in, uh, he was teaching, and a synagogue ruler came to Jesus. Now, Matthew, uh, this is a real tight abbreviation. Matthew only has like nine verses for, for these uh, two events, and I think Mark and Luke, made, one of them has 23 verses. And so Matthew condenses the story quite a bit. But we know from the other uh, Gospels that this synagogue ruler's name was Jairus. A synagogue ruler was kind of a layman in charge of the proper functioning of the synagogue that make sure, uh, sure the worship went well, to make sure the classes that would teach young people went well. He was kind of in charge of the synagogue. And so he came to Jesus, Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and he came to Jesus and his daughter, the other Gospels tell us was very close to death, but when he first came to Jesus, he was, uh, she was still alive when he left her. That's where we take up. Now, as we read the story, we read that Jesus was delayed as he went to Jairus' home because somebody else needed his help. There was a crowd pressing upon Jesus. But in that crowd, there was a woman who had suffered from a bleeding problem for 12 years. For 12 years, this woman continually bled. She had gone to all kinds of doctors, but instead of helping her, she'd actually become worse through through their medical practices. Because of her continual bleeding, also she was considered unclean. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't go to the temple. She could not worship God because she was unclean. Uh, she couldn't touch anyone because if she touched someone... They would be considered unclean for a time, and they could not worship. The woman couldn't have any kind of human contact. I read this week that this woman possibly was divorced. Because uh, if she was married, her husband could not go nearer uh, because of the Old Testament laws about being clean. This woman basically had no human touch, no human contact. She would have been considered a pariah. You would stay away from her, and and it was her kind of responsibility to stay away from you. This woman was incurable, and she was untouchable. And no one had been able to help her, the scripture says. But then Jesus came near. She said to herself, as she was in the crowd close to Jesus, If I only touch the, the tassel, the fringe of his garment, I'll be made well. Jewish men would wear these robes, and on the end of these robes, they would have, I think it's four tassels uh, on the corners of these robes. And the tassels were there, it's from Numbers, uh, I don't remember exactly the chapter, but the tassels were supposed to remind them of God's law. And so, faithful Jewish men would wear these robes, and they would have these tassels. And the woman thought, if I could only just touch the edge of one of the tassels, I would be healed she thought nobody else had to know see she wasn't supposed to touch anybody she wasn't supposed to come uh, close to anybody no one was supposed to know and she thought I can can touch it, nobody will ever know and I'll be healed That's, that's that's a pretty astounding kind of faith isn't it but she dared a faith that would touch Jesus and believe Jesus could heal her and that's what happened In the crowd, she's thinking she could just sneak away, but Jesus just wouldn't let her go away. The other Gospels tell us, Jesus asks, who touched me? And the disciples, the apostles thought, Lord, there's there's a crowd pressing against all of us. And you know, in that culture, you know, in in our culture, we kind of give each other space, you know. We, We each have our individual space. We don't want people to get too close to us. But in the Middle Eastern culture, man, they'd be crowded in. You know, I've heard people say from other cultures, like we could seat 100 in here. And uh, some people from, uh, from other kind of cultures, they could seat 300 in this room. Because that's just the difference in the culture. The woman, the people were pressing against Jesus. And, and he said, who touched me, and his disciples said, Lord, there's a huge crowd around him. But Jesus knew this touch was different. This was a believing touch. And so he identified her. The woman uh, was identified from the crowd. And then Jesus said, look what he said. He said, take heart. Be encouraged is what he's telling her. Your faith has made you well. You see, the woman looked to Jesus. She, she thought he could do what nobody else can do. He looked, uh, she looked to him in her impossible situation. And Jesus, in the possible situation, she became clean. Uh, she looked Jesus looked at the incurable disease and she was cured every other resource provided no help but Jesus could help and the other thing is that touching Jesus did not make Jesus unclean touching Jesus made her clean we we'll remember Jairus here as Jairus was bringing to Jesus to heal his daughter the other gospel tell us his daughter died Like most fathers, he probably did whatever he could to help his daughter, his sick daughter. And now she was dead. And you wonder, what what might he have been thinking when all this was happening and Jesus wasn't going fast enough? Do you ever think that Jesus doesn't go fast enough? You ever think Jesus just, he's not moving fast enough. Lord, I need something right now. What's the deal? What's the delay? Um He wondered about it. Jesus was his last hope, and now his daughter was dead. What could anyone do in that impossible situation? But you know, Jesus was not just anyone. Jesus can always help in every, every impossible situation. Jesus looked at this crushed and broken father, and he said to him, Do not fear, only believe, and she'll be made well. And somehow Jairus believed that. He believed that Jesus could do what no one else could do. Well, they continued toward Jairus' home. By the time they got there, the mourners had already arrived. Now, in that culture, people died and then you, you did the funeral. Because the, the atmosphere was such that bodies decayed rapidly. And, and Jewish people did not embalm uh, people. They put spices on the outside, but they didn't do any kind of embalming. And so the mourning began. And also in that culture, mourning was not quiet and somber like it is in our culture, but it was loud and tumultuous. It was, Grieving in the culture, uh, people would cry out and scream out, and there would be flutes playing, and people would be paid. Even if the family couldn't do this, it was kind of considered a family obligation that you'd bring in people, you'd play flute players, or you or uh, or you'd bring in uh, in professional mourners who would wail because of the death that you suffered. Um, the mourners, the flute player was already there, and they were causing a commotion uh, when Jesus arrived. And when Jesus saw them, he told them, "Go away. The girl is not dead, but sleeping." Well, the crowd burst into laughter. I mean, these people there, they. They knew that she was physically dead. But you know something? To the one who is the resurrection and the life. She was only sleeping. Jesus put out these unbelieving uh, crowd. And he took Peter, James and John. The other gospels tell us. And uh, the girl's parents. He went into the girl. And he took her by the hand. He took her by the hand. You see she was supposedly dead. Just like the woman who had bled for 12 years. This Yes, young girl, it died. you're not supposed to touch dead people. That would make you unclean. Um, but Jesus touching a dead girl would not make him unclean, but would make her deadness uh, clean by bringing her back to life. Jesus looked at her incurable disease. Jesus touched her, and he cured her, and he helped her. He did what no one else can do. Every other resource has been exhausted. But Jesus could, and he did help. And I want to tell you, when no one else can help, when every other resource has been exhausted, Jesus can help. You don't have to wait till the resources have been exhausted, but I'm telling you, Jesus can help you when you think no one else can help. Something else I want us to see in this passage of scripture. Jesus looked to Jesus to help you when you know who He truly is. As Jesus passed from there, two blind men uh, met him. This, this is a miracle only recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. There are other evidences where there were a couple of blind men that he healed, but this is a unique kind of story. And they cried out as Jesus went by them. As Jesus got close, they cried out and said, Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us. Now, mercy was not just a feeling of uh, empathy. Mercy meant, Help us, Lord. Help us. You can do something about this. And notice what they call Jesus. They call Jesus the Son of David. This is the first time in Matthew's gospel that Jesus was called Son of David. Um, it won't be the last, but it's the first. The Son of David was a messianic title. Uh, it was a messianic title, acknowledging that Jesus was Messiah. And these two blind men confess Jesus as Messiah uh, that Israel had been waiting for. These blind men saw who Jesus really was when the religious leaders and others could not see. That's kind of a theme in Matthew. Matthew kind of talks about the blindness of people who should know and those Gentiles and those like these blind men who were on the outskirts of society, they, they had spiritual sight and they could see who Jesus was. Now Jesus didn't answer these blind men right away. Again, there was delay, just like in Jairus' case, there was, a, there was a delay. And remember, if Jesus doesn't answer your prayer today, it doesn't mean that he won't answer. Sometimes he delays. We don't know why he delays. Sometimes we can kind of figure it out after it's happened. <coughs> but other times you, you don't know why the Lord didn't immediately answer your prayer. Or you don't know why it took years of looking to Jesus and, instead of just days. There are some things I pray for and the Lord seems to answer immediately. Probably you too. And I think sometimes if you would write down it when the Lord answers your prayer, you'd, you'd realize He does answer a lot of things pretty quickly. But there are some things that you pray for for years and years and, and the Lord hasn't, hasn't given it to you yet. Um, if He doesn't answer immediately, He does not mean He will not answer. He will answer. He won't always answer exactly like we wanted to answer, but he will answer uh, our request, our prayers. Now, maybe the reason Jesus didn't answer these two men, because they did call him son of David. And to the Jews, this had the uh, this had an idea. They thought the Messiah was going to be one who's going to be like a conquering general and going to defeat the Romans. And Jesus kind of wanted to put uh put the kibosh on that idea. Uh Jesus didn't want that at this time to kind of uh, take root in the people because he, he came first to suffer and die for our sins. Yes, he's going to be the conquering general when he comes back the second time for sure. But at that time, he came to die for us and suffer for our sins. He didn't want to act out in front of this crowd because maybe they had the wrong idea of Messiah. So he waited. He waited until he was in the house. And, uh, and these blind men came to him. And then Jesus said, do you believe that I can do this? It was, a general, it was not just a general question. If Jesus was Messiah, it was a question that they believed that Jesus was truly the son of David and that he could do what they asked him to do. Did they believe Jesus would help them? Did they believe as son of David he would give him their sight? It's the same question that we ask ourselves whenever we pray about the things that are happening in our life, about the impossible situation. Do we believe Jesus is able to help and save and work and move? And they said yes. And then Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done to you. And they received their sight, the scripture says. Now, don't misunderstand here. Jesus was not telling them because they had the right amount of faith. Um, they could be healed no that 's that 's that 's the wrong idea the wrong idea and and a lot of people think if I just have enough faith, I can force God to do whatever I want him to do no you know don 't misunderstand that uh don 't misunderstand it's, it 's these blind men knew, they knew that Jesus was the son of David and they also knew the scripture that said the son of David would give recovery of sight to the blind and he would do other miraculous things. And so their, their trust was based on the truth of God's revelation and the truth of God's word. You know, I've known many people who've been damaged because people said they weren't healed or they weren't delivered or something didn't happen to them because they just didn't have enough faith. You know, in the prosperity gospel, sometimes they talk about all these miraculous things. But then other times, you know, they don't mention that there's a lot of people that have prayed and asked God for healing and stuff that it didn't happen. You know, God is not your, your genie in a bottle. You know that? God is not at your beck and call. But God will hear and answer your prayers. He will move and work. And he will do things that, that only he can do. And yes, I do believe we can ask, for, ask him for the miraculous. I ask God for the miraculous. But that doesn't mean he always gives. I've seen God work in miraculous ways, but I've seen him other times, somehow his plan was not that way. It's not, it's not if we just have enough faith. What's your faith in? Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus? You know, Jesus said if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Now, mustard seed's a little teeny thing. And basically, all of us have the faith of a mustard seed. But is it, is, in, is it in Jesus? Are we looking at Him? Do we know His word? Do we know what to pray for and to ask for? Their faith was in the right place because they knew Jesus was the son of David. They knew that the son of David came. He's going to give recovery of sight to the blind. And they believed that Jesus could heal them. Then Jesus sternly warned them not to tell anyone. Why? Because He didn't want the crowds to have him think he was a conquering king kind of Messiah who would overthrow the Romans. Jesus told them to keep quiet, but they couldn't keep quiet. They couldn't keep quiet. These blind men saw Jesus as the son of David and Messiah, which he was. He was not just a prophet, not just a rabbi or a great teacher. He was the savior of the world, the one all must look to for help and salvation. And they believed that Jesus could help them. They saw Jesus as he really was, and they knew they could take whatever they needed whatever cares they had and cast them on him. They could pray and God would answer their prayers. We need to look to Jesus for help in our impossible situations when no one else can help. We need to see him as he really is, as the one who can truly help us whatever circumstances we face. But then, then finally, we need to look to Jesus to help those you love when they can't help themselves. As Jesus was going along... When Jesus, as Jesus was going along, someone else needed his help. But this person was so messed up that he couldn't even ask for help. He, he was demon-oppressed, demon-possessed. And because of the oppression and the possession of the demons, he could not speak. Now, a lot of people say that's just superstition. You know, they, People thought everything, all diseases were caused by demons. No, that's not true. You read other people who were, who were dumb or deaf, and it doesn't attribute their illnesses to demons, but here it specifically does. This man, whatever was physically wrong with him, was characterized, was caused by demons. And so he couldn't come himself, but somebody brought this man to Jesus. He he was brought to him, verse 32 says. Somebody cared about this man. Someone saw that Jesus could help this man when nobody else came, and so they brought him to Jesus. Somebody else had to believe that Jesus could help the one that they loved. You ever realize that sometimes the ones you love, they, they can't come to Jesus themselves. Maybe they can't because of an addiction. Maybe they can't. Because of some other reason. Maybe they can't because the enemy himself. But I want to tell you. You can bring them to Jesus. You can pray for them. You can make a difference. You know I often ask people. Before I'll pray out loud for them. Can I pray for you? And I have had people say. I, we, we don't really want that. And they can stop me from praying for them aloud. But they can't stop me from praying for them when I leave. They can't stop they can't stop me for asking God to intervene and work in their lives because even if they wouldn't come to Jesus themselves, I can go to Jesus for them. I can go to Jesus for them. Um, you can ask the Lord to intervene. Uh, if you have a drug-addicted family member, a family member has been captured by sin, and they won't come or they cannot come, you can ask Jesus to help. You can bring them to Jesus, and Jesus hears those prayers. Never forget that. Don't ever forget that those you love that seem to be so far from God, they're they're not any further than your prayer to the one who loved you and died for you. You can make a difference in their lives. Keep praying for them until you see God move and act. Sometimes that's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe that. I think it is for all of us. Sometimes I need help believing that that Jesus will act and will answer prayer. You know, that's why we're part of the body of Christ. Because whatever you have gone through, probably someone else in the body has gone through something similar. And so we connected to one another and we encourage one another and we share those stories about God as, how God has worked in our life. We join together and we worship Jesus because we need each other. We need people to say, keep believing, keep following, keep praying, keep trusting. Uh, People have faced all kinds of things that they've gone through in their life, and God has brought them through, and so we gather together. And sometimes we need to share those stories with others. You know, we don't know sometimes how God has moved and worked in the lives of others but he has be willing to share how God has worked with you and that might encourage someone that needs to know that God is working in ways even when they can't see it It probably won't be on your timetable it might not be exactly how you pray but I'm going to tell you Jesus will not fail his children he will not fail he will hear he will act he will do what nobody else can do because he cares for you. The man who could not speak. When someone brought him to Jesus. He was freed from those demons. And he spoke. You see look to Jesus to help you. When, when some, when, and help others you love. Even when they can't help themselves. The crowd saw these things. And they marveled and said. Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Jesus was doing things. Nobody else can do. And and the church ought to see things like that happen today. We ought to see life change. We ought to see prayers answered uh, in in ways that nobody else uh, can do because we are the people of God. Some saw and glorified God. But there was also opposition developing, the Scripture tells us. Not all cheered Jesus. Some attributed His work to the prince of demons. You see, you can see... And not believe, because believing is always an act of faith. See, will you marvel at what God has done and trust Jesus with your life or you turn away in unbelief? Will you look to Jesus to help you? And will you let Him help you? Will you believe that He can change and save you from your sin, help you in your life today? Will you look to Him in your impossible situations, whatever it might be, when nobody else can help We see Jesus as he really is, the Son of David, the the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the very Son of God himself who became the Son of Man to die for us and rise again. You see, we need to look to Jesus in our impossible situations. Don't just look at Jesus and say, He can work, He worked yesterday, but that's for yesterday. No, He can work in and through and for you today. He can save and help in whatever you're going through. Will you believe Jesus cares for you? Can forgive you and save you? And can help you in whatever circumstances you are facing? My father's mother died when he was six years old. She had breast cancer. And, and uh, then she came down with pneumonia and it ended her life and the testimony of my uh, <clears throat> the testimony of my dad's life is that when he went to the funeral uh, the only thing he remembers is the song that they sang god will take care of you god will take care of you that's the only thing he remembers But he said, that's proved true all throughout my life. God won't always work how you think he's going to work. And God's not your Santa Claus that you can pull the lever and get your toy. But I'm telling you, God is a God who hears prayers. God is a God who moves. God is a God who will do things when we pray and when we ask him. Because he is a God who cares for us. You can look to Jesus in your impossible situation and he will help. Let's pray together. If you're here today and uh, and you need to pray with someone about something, maybe you're you're facing an impossible situation, maybe you just need someone to pray with you and encourage you. Grace and David are going to be at the back this morning. Maybe you need to talk to someone about giving your life to Christ. Maybe you've seen God do some wonderful things in the life of your family or your friends, but you've never put your trust in Jesus. And today you'd like to to do that, and you want to know what that's all about. You want to give your life to Christ. Or maybe God's spoken to you in some other way, and you need to. We have people that want to help you, and they're there to help you if you need help this morning. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you love us that you care for us. Father, we thank you that you are not a God who is far away. You are not a God who is disassociated from what we're going through in life. Father, we, we, we know that you are near to us. And we want to be, we want to walk with you, Lord. We want to be on a mission with you. But we also know that whatever the circumstances, whatever the sorrows, whatever the hurts of our lives, you promise to be with us You promised to help us, and we look to You. Lord, we look to You every minute of the day. Help us not to ever think we can do without You. Help us to realize we need You in our best hours, and we need You at our worst hours. Lord, work and move and draw each of us to Yourself. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.